This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. Dental care in West Virginia can be difficult for some. That includes first appointments and follow-ups to get work done. Data analysis found the average wait time for a second appointment to treat dental decay like a cavity was nearly 35 more days. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. Monongahelia Power and Potomac Edison Company customers will receive a one-time fixed credit on their 2024 July bill. Brianna Heaney has more. $2.5 million will be spread out amongst the two companies' nearly 800,000 customers. An audit ordered by state regulators into the operations of the power companies revealed financial misconduct and called for greater accountability of lobbying expenses and better record keeping. The audit followed both companies' request for a rate increase. An accounting firm hired by the Public Service Commission to investigate the two power companies says it recommends further investigations into millions of dollars in consulting expenses. Both companies are a subsidiary of First Energy Corporation, which paid a $230 million fine in 2021 as part of a deferred prosecution agreement for its role in a bribery scheme. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney in Charleston. As of January 1st, West Virginia drivers can now go two years without a state vehicle inspection. But not everyone thinks that's a great idea. Randy Yoey has more. Lawmakers passed legislation last March that state inspection stickers are now good for two years, not one. Delegate Daniel Linville, a Republican from Cabell County, says only 12 states have vehicle inspections. He says data shows that inspections affecting highway safety are inconclusive. Uh, there, there's a lot of data which would say that, that uh, 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 you know, drivers in, in Kentucky, as, as a, for instance, aren't any worse than drivers in West Virginia, and they don't require a safety inspection. Billy Keppel owns the Charleston area Marty's Tire and Auto Shops that do thousands of state inspections a year. He says many come in mistakenly thinking their car is in tip-top shape, and extending the inspection time period will put unsafe cars on the road. And they get dinged for safety things all the time. And I'm talking about brakes, shocks, lights being out, tires being bald, wire hanging out of tires, wheel bearings bad. Linville says vehicles have gotten more reliable over the years, and the inspection code has not been modified in decades. And we all know, you know, uh, you know, 100,000 miles a car used to used to be about to fall apart, and anymore you can get 200 plus thousand miles out of most vehicles. Um, and so uh, we're trying to keep up with the time. Keppel says the main reason cars log thousands of miles is that they get regular safety inspections. They just keep driving it because it still drives straight. They get in it, they turn the key, and it goes. And most people just don't check their stuff. State inspections will now cost $19.78 every two years. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yoey in Charleston. The Allegheny Front, based in Pittsburgh, is a public radio program that reports on environmental issues in the region. Here's their latest story about the health risks for pregnant women living near fracking sites. An updated report calls fracking a public health crisis. This is the Allegheny Front Environment Update. I'm Carol Holsapple. 
The ninth edition of the Compendium of Scientific, Medical, and Media Findings Demonstrating Risks and Harms of Fracking collects articles from peer-reviewed medical and scientific journals, investigative reports by journalists, and reports from or commissioned by government agencies. It's published by Concerned Health Professionals of New York and Physicians for Social Responsibility. Sandra Steingraber is the lead author, and I asked her what the report says about the health risks of fracking for children and during pregnancy. We have more than 120 studies now in the peer-reviewed scientific literature that have looked for and found serious health effects of fracking, and we don't have any studies that have looked for and not found them. And of all of that data, the stuff on pregnancy is the strongest and the most corroborated across various states. And a lot of it does come from Pennsylvania. Pregnant women who live near fracking sites, and by near I mean within a few miles, have higher risks for various things. Um, sometimes the data show smaller babies, um, and we know that when babies are born small, that usually means there's a problem with the placenta delivering nutrients. Babies are also born more premature to women who live near fracking and drilling operations, and sometimes they go on to have certain kinds of cancers. There's risk for leukemia. We've seen data from both Pennsylvania and Colorado on that. And now very strong data coming out of Pennsylvania showing that kids who live near fracking sites have five to seven times the risk of lymphoma. This addition also includes information about the use of gas stoves in homes. What are the main concerns and why include gas stoves in this compendium? Yeah, so with every issue of the compendium, and now there's nine of them, we try to build out a new chapter. So when we take a look at the data, and we have actually really good data going all the way back to the 70s, I was amazed at how many studies we have, you see over and over again that if you have a gas stove in your home, you have levels of nitrogen dioxide that would be illegal to breathe if you were in the outside air. Nitrogen dioxide is known cause of asthma. It's created when the heat of burning methane ignites the air around the flame so that the nitrogen and the oxygen in the air actually are forced to combine. And, and when you breathe that in, it's not very water soluble, so your nasal passages can't really protect you. It goes all the way down into the spongy alveoli deep in your chest wall where it turns into nitric acid. And there that causes inflammation, it causes wheezing, about 13% of all childhood asthma cases can be attributed to the presence of a gas stove in the home. How should this compendium be used? Or how do you want it to be used? So it's a peer-reviewed, open access compilation of all the data that's fully searchable. If you live near a fracking site and you're worried about air pollution, you can look that up. If you're trying to swap out your gas stove and need to go make a presentation before your church group, you can look that part up and so on. So none of this is copyrighted. So we just want people to use it to write to their elected officials, use it in their own um, public education campaigns. You know, it's just there as a kind of big encyclopedia and a living document that's up to the minute that people can use for whatever part of the oil and gas extraction and use big octopus that people are confronting and, and need information about. Sandra Steingraber is a biologist and lead author of the ninth edition of the Compendium of Scientific, Medical, and Media Findings Demonstrating the Risks and Harms of Fracking. There's a link at AlleghenyFront.org. That's the Allegheny Front Environment Update. I'm Carol Holsoppel. The Allegheny Front is based in Pittsburgh and reports on regional environmental news.
This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 751. Partly sunny skies today, highs in the 30s and 40s. Mostly cloudy tonight with a slight chance of snow, lows in the 20s. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with partial clearing in the afternoon, highs in the 30s and low 40s. Clear tomorrow night, lows in the teens and 20s. And sunny on Friday with highs in the 30s and 40s. A mystery dental shopper survey in West Virginia found long wait times for appointments, especially for those with intellectual or developmental disabilities and those on Medicaid. Emily Rice has the story. After conducting a similar analysis in other Rust Belt states, the Harmony Health Foundation conducted a mystery shopper analysis in West Virginia to better understand access to care barriers in the state. Their analysis of West Virginia's access to dental care revealed that more than 24% of dental practices in the state were not accepting new patients. The ones that were had an average wait time of more than 70 days for the first available appointment. Sean Boyne is the director of the Harmony Health Foundation. He worked with the West Virginia Oral Health Coalition on this report and found access to care problems in West Virginia. What the Mystery Shopper program does is allow us to have a better understanding of what individuals, patients actually go through and provides a more honest depiction of where access problems are occurring. In addition to 24% of practices not accepting new patients and long wait times for first appointments, data analysis found the average wait time for a second appointment to treat dental decay like a cavity was nearly 35 more days. The range was 1 to 145 days. The dentistry industry is facing a significant workforce shortage and access to care issues nationally. And these staffing issues are also becoming well documented. Coming out of the COVID public health emergency, dentistry as a whole has seen a substantial decrease, especially in dental hygienists. In West Virginia, economic challenges have also played a role as the state continues to experience high poverty rates, which has affected the income of oral health care professionals. According to the report, the access to care crisis is worse in underserved rural communities by patients receiving government-funded health insurance benefits like Medicaid and Medicare and by individuals individuals with intellectual or developmental disabilities, referred to as IDD. We were finding very similar findings to uh, those with intellectual and developmental disabilities having a tough time accessing care, as well as the Medicaid population, a, a high number of 
uh, individuals not accepting Medicaid. Boynes also noted that most IDD population patients were referred to WVU, a statistic that came as no surprise to Megan Baston, assistant professor and pediatric dentist at WVU. One of the things the report did for me personally was to kind of validate that we are a major referral source for a lot of the community providers. One way WVU, the state's only dentistry school, is addressing the workforce shortage is by adding a pediatric dental residency program so dentistry students and providers don't have to leave the state for additional training. My colleague, Dr. Dami Kim, has been working hard for the last several years on starting a pediatric residency program, and we're so excited to be able to bring that to WVU. Um, starting with our very first class this coming year. The report concludes with policy recommendations to address dental care access in West Virginia. The first is to encourage the use of technology, like mobile dentist practices, to reach rural populations. One of the things that the report talked about was maybe um, being innovative with the idea of these preventative visits. Maybe they don't have to happen with um, a physical location of like a dentist and a patient. The report also recommends interprofessional oral health care be delivered by medical care teams. This would include topical fluoride application and oral disease risk assessments conducted by doctors, not just dentists. One of the biggest things with preventative care is that it starts with patient education. So you have to teach the patient what is um, maybe a risk factor for them for getting disease and to do that before they have disease you have to see them for these preventative visits. The report's other policy recommendations include increasing training focused on treating individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities, expanding Medicaid dental coverage, and shifting reimbursement structures through value-based models. For Appalachia Health News, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. Appalachia Health News is a project of West Virginia Public Broadcasting with support from Charleston Area Medical Center and Marshall Health. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning. <music>